Marini's Media. Totally Football League show, Reactive Edition. Today we look back on a night of EFL action as busy and bonkers as it was significant and straight up sassy. Leeds are back on top, Forrester chasing down West Brom, Rooney got a goal but also a defeat, Rotherham are the new leaders in League One and the top two in League Two both lost. Plenty of transfer tittle-tattle too as Bielsa belatedly brings him back up for Bamford. Glenn Whelan shows his team Joey in the beef with Mr Standall and happy news for Lincoln supporters, your boss is on the blower. This is the Totally Football League show. Hey gang, how's things? Uh Uh-huh, that's good. Caroline respects the winter break too much to be here this week, so it's me, Matt Davis-Adams, up front. Joe Crilly is stateside, having swapped Bolton's pig's ear of a season for the Super Bowl's pig skin. Not great, that, sorry. Uh, So no Joe, but I do have a pair of EFL experts alongside me. First up, a millennial investor. He founded boutique investment firm Delarkey Industries Limited in 2014. On top of this, he holds a number of board memberships and directorships and takes an active role in the companies he's involved in. He has a BA Joint Honours degree in philosophy and Spanish, is a seed investment board member at Sway Ventures and has helped set up their New York office. Good morning, Adrian Clark. Good morning, yeah, fingers and pies me. (laughs) Alongside Adrian, can you believe it's 10 years ago this week that he came off the bench and got booked in a three-minute cameo as part of the Walsall side beaten 2-1 at the best cop by Norwich. Me neither. Hi, Sam Parkey. Hello, Matt. <laughs> good old soccer base. It's always good for, for digging out your friends with little things like that. Uh, Clarky, quick quiz question. Mm. Which current Premier League striker scored in that game that Sam got booked in? Uh, Troy Deeney? Correct. Uh, there's no prize, but well done. But anyway. I'm late. Yeah, thanks. Coming up, we're speaking with Colu's John McGreal and Lincoln's Michael Appleton. We know what you're looking for. Right then, there's been so much happening EFL-wise. Let's do this. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Headlines in the Championship. Crikey Moses leads United 2-0 down to Millwall at half-time. But would you believe it, they turned it round to win 3-2 and get back on top. And they've signed a striker. Jean-Kevin Augustin joins on loan from RB Leipzig. Alia Capriel and Ian Perveda are Leeds other signings this window in case you missed it. Elsewhere on Tuesday, West Brom lost 2-1 at Cardiff. Forrest win at Brentford, meaning there's just a point between the baggies and the two XECs. And Wazza got his first goal for Derby, only for the Rams to lose to Luton. In transfer land, Naki Wells has been recalled by Burnley from QPR, but Rangers want him back, want him back, want him back for good. Forrest are also interested. Burnley, just tell me the song and I'll sing it. And in sour news, Reading apologised to Cardiff fans. Cardiff were unhappy that Reading's PA announcer on Saturday called for an end to racist and homophobic behaviour. They feel it's damaged their reputation as there was no evidence. Reading say they'll review their matchday protocols but are standing behind the decision to report Cardiff City fans for discriminatory chanting. But to Tuesday's action, only one place we can start as we look back on an epic night. Again, look at the amount of white shirts in the penalty area and Bamford... That's his second of the game. And this crazy game takes another twist. Leeds United were 2-0 down at half-time. We're only six minutes past the hour mark and they're 3-2 in front. (laughs) What great commentary it says here that Abby's put. uh, That was me. A febrile atmosphere, five goals and Bielsa sat on a cushioned bucket. Those are the headlines from Leeds' stunning come-from-behind win against Millwall. The Lions 2-0 up at half-time, courtesy of Sean Hutchinson and a Jed Wallace pen. So far, so Leeds in 2020. But whatever Marcelo muttered at the break worked. Bamford X2 and Hernandez turned it round to mean the Whites go two points clear of West Brom and four ahead of third place. Forrest, uh, Sam, this is big, right? Uh, everything we've been talking about Leeds in recent weeks, we ought to pile on the praise for them turning this round. 
Yeah, huge, huge result, uh, especially given that West Brom lost last night as well. I thought outstanding second half performance probably helped that the referee was getting his fair share of flack rather than maybe some of the Leeds players. I think that probably helped last night and allowed the, the, the lads to focus on the job in hand, Patrick Bamford in particular, who I think was probably under the most, uh, the, the biggest spotlight last night that he's probably been in his Leeds career after the, the QPR penalty miss and the recent performances. Missed a big chance first half here too. Did he? And uh, with Augustin coming in as well, sometimes that can inspire you, but I just thought that was really good for him. His confidence moving forward, Outstanding second half performance, 16 shots, 69% of the ball. The leads of peak Marcelo Bielsa, you, you would say, last night in that second half. So, yeah, that should have an incredible effect on not only the players, but the crowd as well moving forward. Mm. Clarky, I watched the, the full 90 this. First time I've seen a full Leeds game in a while. They are thrilling when they're on it. There are a few better sights in, in the AFL. Yeah, the, the the way that they play, they, they can cram a lot of attacking players onto the pitch. The movement's great, isn't it? And uh, they did this without Calvin Phillips, who I think has probably been there their best player this season. So so it's, it's terrific. I, I do think it's a galvanising performance. It's the first time, actually, this season they've come from 1-0 down, let alone two, come back from 1-0 down to win a game. They've only clawed three draws prior to that from losing positions. So, so this is a bit more like last season when I think they came back to win five games and, and six draws. So they were the comeback kids last year. Hasn't been the case this time around in the championship. So no, I think that would give them such a boost moving forwards and, and it will ease the pressure. And with Augustin coming in, then then he's got two front players vying, we think, for the same position, which you would imagine might, might, might bring the best out of them. So yeah, look, onwards and upwards for Leeds. Um, big night for them. Yeah, a bit more info on Augustin from Julien Laurent, who was speaking about the new edition at Elland Road on the latest edition of the Totally Football Show European edition. A big talent, really, really talented kid. Yeah. At times, not the best of characters. He had um, some issues in the front of the 21 in, um, national team setup. He, he had a few things like this. He left PSG to go to Leipzig because he felt that he was never going to get his chance there. Why, why have Leipzig let, let him go out? They just have a, a surplus of strikers and Patrick Schick recovering from his injury, mm. um, which kept him out most of last season. He's just, just seen him fall down the packing order. He was already sent out on loan uh, to Monaco mm. and I think was seen as a chance to, for him to sort of get his career moving again. Okay, yeah. what kind of striker is he? Often like a second striker. Yes. I mean, he's quite tall and quite strong, but is probably best when he can play off a a more forceful number nine and, and sort of be a shadow striker just in and around those dangerous areas. I'm nice. curious to see where Blesa will play him. If he will play with Patrick Bamford up front, for example, or on his own. He's he's worked a lot on his uh, link-up play and all of that, so he might be able to play on his own up front and link up the play and all of that, but... Raf is good. He's uh, Raf is right. Sorry, he's he's good as a second striker. He's very good technically. He has good vision as well. He's he's a very interesting player. Lastly, on this game, then Sam, what does it mean for for the Millwall morale? Only three points off the playoffs. They hadn't lost away from home since the start of November. Gary Rowett saying, "Well, they had ten days free and we didn't." And I guess that's a factor. You can put this behind you quite quickly if you're Millwall. Yeah. 
100%. I think he'll, he'll have to be measured in, in defeat. Leeds have done that to, to a lot of teams over the last 18 months. The improvements have been vast under Gary Rowett. I think we're unanimous in that. I give them a great chance uh, of sneaking into that last playoff position. I don't think they'll be able to achieve any higher than that, but it's very much up for, up for grabs. So dust themselves down and get ready for the next uh, round of fixtures. But yeah, I mean, he's doing a, a sterling job and, and no surprise really that they were difficult to beat last night. Let's head to Griffin Park then. Brentford nil, Forest one. Uh, there was some Forest love on the aforementioned Totally Football Show Euro edition from Monsieur Laurent. And the man knows his onions, but he calls them onions. <laughs> uh, peek behind the curtain, listener. Producer and banter maker in chief, Abby, put in the script before kickoff last night. Brentford won 3-1. What have you got to say for yourself now? Huh? Just as I thought, nothing. Uh, anyway, the game, Joe Lolly's deflected first half strike won it. Forrest didn't do their usual uh, concede a late equaliser shtick. And now I'm getting carried away. So, Clark, you bring me back down to there. Uh, well, it's great at the moment, isn't it, for, for you Forest fans? Five wins, two draws in the last seven. So, look, he's so hard to beat, aren't you, Nottingham Forest? Particularly away from home, not lost to a side in the top 18 all season away from the city ground. That, that's unbelievable. That just shows how organised they've been under Lamouchi. And also, a little word of praise on, on his use of the centre-halves because I think his first choice partnership is, is Warren and Dawson. It's the, the oldie and the youngie. But Figueredo played last night and he's just managing that situation quite superbly, in my view. Whenever he feels that Dawson needs a breather, he slips in Figueredo and, and it doesn't seem to be a, a great deal of difference. For me, though, the big the big factor in this turnaround in, in form is, is in central midfield. Watson and Sal, they started the season together. They were brilliant. Then... They weren't available for, for long periods. That's when Forrest started to, to falter a little bit. No surprise for me, results picked up when they're, they're back in the heart of that engine room. I, I'd actually go as far to say that that's, that's one of the top three central midfield partnerships in the division. It has to be really, really solid. Mm, Transfer-wise, Paul Taylor of The Athletic reporting this morning, which is Wednesday, by the way, listener, uh, that Forrest are expecting to progress a deal for Nuno da Costa. He's a striker from Strasbourg, which would lighten the load a little bit on Lewis Graben and Matty Cash to AC Milan seems to have gone a little quiet. What about Brentford then, Sam? No goals in three in all comps, albeit one of those was a much-changed side in the FA Cup against Leicester. Is there any cause for concern there, or is this just championship stuff where you, you know nobody wins every game? You, you can't get away with, I think, five or six players, Thomas Frank said, being well below par, five and six out of ten. Um, and, and that was certainly the case last night. Not carving out nearly as many opportunities uh, against Forest as they normally do at, at Griffin Park. Enormous credit to the two chaps that um, Adrian mentioned, Sal and, and Watson. Pivotal, we've seen Brentford pull teams all over the place. Luton springs to mind when they got their tactics wrong at, at Griffin Park. You need to make the spaces compact. Uh, they did that and, and counted through the, the attacking fullbacks that they have in their ranks. So I thought it was a great game plan carried out by a side that uh, are becoming known for this. We, we spoke about it in the early part of the season. They've had their wobble, uh, Nottingham Forest, in the middle of December when they lost three out of five. Uh, to come back in this type of form, um, the confidence will be there and they have the momentum now as well. But we have to wait and see how Brentford respond because this hasn't happened too often. I remember Birmingham going there and shutting up shop and getting a 1-0 very early on, but this hasn't happened recently. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the weeks ahead. 
I am 37. I've been working in this game for 20 years and I've got goosebumps with you two talking about Forrest being good. <laughs> that is pretty sad, isn't it? But they need a striker. Well, they're going to get one. Da Costa, apparently. Uh, somebody else who maybe needs a striker are West Brom. They lost 2-1 at Cardiff. Slaven Bilic post-match told the guys we need to look at each other, not as soon as possible, but now to get back to what we had. I can't be any harder. I spoke quite a long time in the dressing room. We need it back. We need the team back. We have to get back to on a winning track. First of all, we need to stop conceding goals. What's gone wrong for them over the last uh, few weeks? Well, in reference to last night, it was a great, great winning goal for, from Tomlin. Free kick over the wall. It, it, was, it was pretty glorious. In my opinion, now I don't watch every minute of West Brom's season, but in my opinion, it's become a bit samey. It's four-two-three-one every week. It's always Sawyer's and Livermore, and it, I did I did notice that the fans have turned a little bit on on Remain Sawyer's, which is a slight surprise to me. Um, maybe they need to freshen up. I think they need a need a plan B. They obviously need reinforcing as as well at the, at the top end of the pitch. Pereira's got himself suspended, so that's that's not great. Callum Robinson is going to join on loan. I think that that has actually gone through now from Sheffield United, and that's good. I think I think that's a really sensible move because he can play up top, he can play out wide, and in, in that sort of DN Garner role. So he he's a good fit for me. But I'd just like to see West Brom maybe try something new tactically. It's a, it's a bit predictable. Okay, so super slav, super sad post-match, but you can always rely on Gary Monk for a quote, and, and this one sort of usurps Billich by quite a way. Uh, after his team's late defeat against Wigan, I think I've seen enough in this past month to tell me a lot of what I need to know. There's some players here that shouldn't be at this club. In all honesty, I think we need to change. I just feel embarrassment. You're here to fight for this football club. Fight for that shirt. Don't think they're going to put that on the marketing for the 10-year season <laughs> ticket. Uh, elsewhere on Tuesday, crucial wins at the bottom for Luton and Huddersfield. Bristol City in the playoff places after victory at Reading. And Blackburn are only four points behind them after they beat QPR. And after all that, there are now 13 points separating Leeds in first and 12th, where you'll find Cardiff. This is your weekly reminder that there were 11 points separating Leeds in first and Fulham in third in mid-December. I love the Football League and title races and all that. To the weekend then, Stoke City versus Derby is the match we're going to have a look at. Derby lost in stoppage time at Luton on Tuesday. Stoke have had a free week to prepare. I always think that that's something that kind of gets underplayed a bit, Adrian, that, that Michael O'Neill's going to have had all this extra time on the training ground preparing specifically for this opponent, whereas presumably it's a bit more last minute for Derby. Yeah, definitely helps. Yeah, no question about it. Tactically, you have that advantage. You can work on your pattern of play, the game plans and whatnot. Philip Koku will, will have a lot less because he's been concentrating on, on Luton. I don't rate Koku. I don't rate him at all. I, I, I don't mind saying that. Every Derby fan that I speak to says, oh, well, he's not going anywhere. He's here for the long term. The club are backing him. He's sticking around. But he's not very good. Honestly, he's not very good in terms of his tactical approach. He doesn't know his best team. He doesn't know the formation. He's using players in strange positions. I think they need to get rid. I am absolutely loving today's show, I've got to say. Uh, Sam, that red-haired dude, has tweeted at the Totally Show asking, Michael O'Neill at Stoke or the Cowley brothers at Huddersfield, who have you been more impressed with uh, by them turning their respective clubs' fortunes around? Well, I'm going to say Michael O'Neill because you told me to do some research on this game. And that's who I've but, no, of course, love the Cowleys as, as well. And um, no surprise that they've done very, very well uh, at Huddersfield since going in. Michael O'Neill... 28 games Stoke have had now this season. 
under Nathan Jones, played 14, 1-2, 14% win percentage. O'Neill, seven wins from his 14 games, 50%. Don't need to do the math there. 23 goals they've scored now under him, 13 goals under the previous manager. Uh, the improvement's been been vast. He's picking the players in their right positions. There's continuity. He seems calm from the outside. It's difficult to really gauge exactly what type of manager he is, but uh, he gets results as well. Uh, the character of the side as well, I've noted down here, late goals, four goals in the 90th minute or beyond, come from behind to win three times during this this run as well, and beating good sides that are challenging West Brom and Swansea in the last couple of games like as well. They're Northern Ireland, aren't they? I mean, yeah. we shouldn't be surprised, but they're, they're a team with character, and, that, and that's clearly his... His thing. A very difficult game, I think, on the face of it for Derby, who uh, completely capitulated last night at Luton uh, from being in a good position on a couple of occasions. Defensive woes. I agree with Adrian. It's consolidation and it's ripping it up in the summer if Koku's there and uh, and building a, a new side, I think. Well, Abby, it's been another crackers week in the Championship. What's it done odds-wise to the promotion market? Well, it's been a fantastic week, as you say. And in terms of top six, there are five teams who are odds on to finish there. They are Leeds, West Brom, Brentford, Fulham and the mighty two XCCs. Then the next team is Sheffield Wednesday, surprisingly. They're on 11 to 8, as are Preston and Swansea are 11 to 4. Bristol City, who currently occupy sixth, are 4 to 1 to finish in the top six. Crikey. What about going down? Going down, there are three teams who are odds on, so frankly, it looks like it might be done, but it's Luton, Barnsley and Wigan. And the Stoke Derby game that we've been talking about, I, I guess the home win is is the favourite with William Hill here. Yeah, just uh, Derby are 17-10 to 10 and Stoke are 9-5 to 5 with the draw 21-10. to 10. Right, still to come League 2, but we can't put that ahead of League 1 because it wouldn't be logical. That's not how we do. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1-2. to two. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. A League One headline, six points separate the top six in the third tier where we have new leaders after Rotherham beat Ipswich in the meeting of the top two, leaving Ipswich in third because Wickham are back in the automatic spots after they beat Blackpool. Transfer-wise, Josh Schoen has joined Sunderland from QPR. John Akinde is now a Gillingham player. Glenn Whelan, who was ousted by Hearts, is now at Fleetwood. Jamal Blackman, a Chelsea youngster, goalkeeper, is in at Bristol Rovers. And Accrington's Billy Key has retired from professional football for health reasons. On his resignation, Key has said, Everyone knows my ongoing issues with depression and anxiety, and in the summer I made it known about my bulimia, which has affected me since I was at Leicester. The most important thing is my health and my family, my wife Lee and my two sons, and now I've made the decision I feel in a better place. Good luck to you, Billy. Rotherham won Ipswich nil then. Richard Wood's goal three minutes before the break settled it. Speaking of Wood, the Millers hit the work twice more. Ipswich's first loss of 2020. Adrian Rotherham, one of the, the form horses in the whole EFL at the moment. Yeah, they're great, aren't they, at the moment? Uh, second highest goal scorers, 50 they've got now, half century, chalked up via, via Wood from another set piece. <laughs> they're, they're superb in those situations. And in the big games, 
at the New York Stadium. They've been great, haven't they? So they've played Ipswich, Peterborough and Coventry at home. And the aggregate score is 9-0. I mean, that's you can't get much better than that. A few, few standouts right now. Dan Barlasser, the central midfielder on loan from Newcastle, is, is spraying the ball around for fun. Wingers, Ogbeni and Adelecan were, were really good last night by all accounts. And, and Vassell up top scoring. So, no, it's all going well. And Paul Warren, I think he came out with one of the quotes of the night. Obviously, Gary Monk was just, we just uh, read out his one. He said, I had a few texts from my Norwich mates today. One of them said he had to put his dog down today. And the only way he'd feel better was if we won. So I dedicate this win to my friend's dog. Nice. Okay. Follow that. <laughs> <A> bit random. <laughs> uh, Sam, your old lot, Ipswich, they almost pinched a goal right at the end, actually, yeah, to equalise. They, they've been back on the horse in recent weeks. Is, is this just one of those very tight games between two evenly matched teams that came out on the wrong end of it? Uh, yeah, they, they were brilliant in narrow uh, their narrow victory over Lincoln at the weekend. Should have been more convincing. And last night, it was very much on the other foot. 1-0 flattered Ipswich. Could have been out of sight. Hit the woodwork, as you said, disallowed goals. Couldn't deal with the 4-4-2 of Rotherham, that intensity, the two wide players that Adrian's spoken about. And I've played certainly played in lots of games like this. You kind of get drawn into playing a similar type of way and, and making it into a scrap. And Ipswich haven't got probably the personnel uh, to play that way. Needed to stick to their guns and try and use Judge as a number 10, as their big influential player who can play in between the lines. Got a little bit better when they changed to a four four two, and um, probably the chance that you're referring to is Norwood, who who hit the post, I think, from an acute angle late on. But the most worrying thing, alarming stat, really, uh, against the top nine, played ten games now, won none, drawn seven, lost three. That is a big concern, and, and says to me, well, tells me straight away, I need to keep putting the bottom sides, bottom half teams to the sword. There's no margin for error there. Uh, now, we mentioned Wickham's big win against Blackpool. Overshadowed, unfortunately, the game was delayed by more than an hour after a supporter was taken ill and the club have tweeted this morning, with deep regret, we're saddened to report that supporter Mark Bird, who fell ill before last night's game, passed away later that evening. Our thoughts are with his family and all who knew him. Rest in peace, Mark. Of course, we echo those sentiments. Uh, even though Joe's not here, we'll mention that Bolton drew 1-1 with Bristol Rovers, who really look quite poor since Graham Coughlin left for Mansfield, although they did at least score a goal. We don't have time to get into it today, but Rovers were fourth when Coughlin left. They're now 12th. And the reason we don't have time for it is because we're going to have a quick word with Lincoln boss Michael Appleton. So you've had four months now to settle in at Sinsall Bank. Was it daunting taking over from a manager who'd done so well, or was it good to go to a club that you knew was in pretty good shape? Yeah, probably a little bit of both. I think, um, obviously, the club had, they've had so much success over the last three years. But the realisation, I think, from the football club was obviously once Danny and Nick had left, is that they've been really, really competitive uh, as, a, as a club from a budgetary point of view and been one of the, if not the highest budget, certainly one of the highest budgets in the conference and, and League Two. Whereas you go into League One and the size of the club and Lincoln isn't as big as your Ipswich, your Sunderland, your Portsmouth and, and these type of clubs, your Coventry. So I think there was a realisation that we had to stabilise first and foremost in this division because I think it's the first time for 21 years that the club's been in this at this level. So it was almost a, a realisation of that 
yes, that spike, we want it to continue, but it probably is not going to continue at the same rate. So that was that was probably the biggest thing that attracted me to the job. It was more, right, okay, there's an expectation to, to want to do well, but I think I'm going to get a little bit of time to do it. Michael, with um, Lincoln's promotion a couple of seasons ago, there was a clear playing style under uh, Danny Cowley and it yeah. seemed to evolve this season uh, at the start of the campaign, playing a little bit more. Uh, from your perspective, when you went in, are you conscious of not changing too much too soon or is it a case of gently feeding in your ideas? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is important not to change too much. Having said that, you know, from what I'm hearing, where we're at now and what we're trying to do and the style we're trying to bring to the football club, I'm being told it's very different to how it was. I think it's one of them as a, as a coach and manager, you go in somewhere and you try and stamp your your philosophy and your style and the group of players. And if they seem comfortable with that, then obviously it's easy to stick with. What we have done is we've brought in a few younger players who are a little bit more uh, athletic, slightly more energetic, which allows us to play a little bit more of an expansive style. Um, obviously, over a time, that will only get better and better. So I, I was aware that, you know, the success that, that, that Danny and Nicky had playing a certain way, but we do believe as a club... If we want to produce our own players and create value on the pitch, then we have to play a certain way. Yeah, interesting you bring up um, younger players. One of, one of those that you've brought in is Tyrese John-Jules from Arsenal. What was it about him that attracted you? And, and did you have to do one of these presentations? We've heard stories of, of Eddie and Ketia sitting down with three clubs tr- trying to give it the big sell. Did you have to do that with Tyrese or, or did you have a free run at him? No, yeah, we. I think in... I think a lot of the, the, the big clubs now, they, they want to know about the football club. They want to know why it's a good idea to, to bring their young players to Lincoln as an example. So you tend to do have to present to the to the bigger clubs and give them a little bit of a bigger picture of why in the long run it's going to be beneficial to their young players. And it was no different with, with Tyrese. I think Tyrese is he's an exciting player. He's a good finisher. Uh, he's very direct and the thing I like about him is that he's an honest lad who's who's prepared to put the yards and he's prepared to run and, and do the ugly side of the game where you know you, some of these young players who are earning a lot of money very, very quickly, they want to play when the ball's at the feet and when they're in possession of the ball, but they don't want to do the work out of possession. Uh, another player you've got on loan who's been impressive is Tyler Walker. He was on the bench last night, though. Are you confident he's still going to be with you once the window closes or, or a Forest asking for him back? Well... Confident, um, I won't say as confident, but um, I'm very, very hopeful. I'd like to think that we'd, we'd get an answer at some point, hopefully today, worst case scenario, tomorrow, just to give us a little bit of time to do something about it. There's been no indication really so far that they're looking to sort of bring him back. So that hopefully is a good sign. Tyler had a bit of a dead leg from the game on Saturday. And obviously we were having a free game week. It was an opportunity to give him a little bit of a breather. Um Obviously, we've got a very important game on Saturday now away at South End, which, you know, the amount of goals he scored for us and, and the way he's played for this year, um, I think it's fair to say that he'll probably start. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that game against South End. We'll, we'll finish with that. Good opportunity for you to get back to winning ways. And if you do, you've still got an outside chance of making the playoffs, haven't you? No chance. No <laughs> chance. No, no. And, and I don't, and I, and, I, and I say that genuinely. It's one of them where, you know, we're, 
like I say, we're evolving this year. We, we just want to make sure that we're competing at this level next season. The squad will look very, very different again in the summer. We, we're in a little bit of a false position as it is at the minute. We've played a couple of games more than the teams in the top half of the table, so we're aware of that. But look, at the end of the day, you know, we want to win as many games as we possibly can because it breeds confidence and hopefully gives people a little bit of hope for next season. Michael Appleton, Lincoln manager there. Uh, No prizes for guessing which League One game we're focusing on. The latest instalment in the Portsmouth versus Sunderland saga. A repeat of last season's playoff semi and EFL trophy final. Uh, Sam, Sunderland have changed managers since then. Pompey kept their jacket on. They deserve a bit of credit for that. Yeah, uh, both clubs probably, although Sunderland have already changed their manager. um, But could have changed again. Could have changed again. And... um, yeah, Sunderland. Firstly, we've, we've spoken about them finding you know a system that really fits. Everyone seems to be buying into, which is great. Scoan, very good signing. Bailey Wright as well. That's um, coming from Bristol City. They've strengthened exceptionally well, I think, already in this window. If they can get that striker, that could be the real final piece of that jigsaw to to, to fling them into real automatic um, contention, I believe. So, no, they've done some really good business, I believe. And, um, yeah, for for Portsmouth, uh, again, I think with Seddon coming in, McGeehan as well uh, from Barnsley, Seddon's turned into the assist king, already won another penalty uh, last night in that victory at Lincoln, which looked very run-of-the-mill. And that's, um, I think that's kind of sums up Kenny Jackett's side at the moment. You know, they're getting their business done, uh, in, in some tough-looking fixtures with no problem at all. Uh, Marquis has really come in now. I think he's five in six. Uh, Curtis is at the top of his game and the two centre-halves, Raggett and, and Burgess, have developed a, an outstanding relationship in the last few weeks. Raggett in particular, who was getting a little bit of flack, I understand. Fantastic performance last night against uh, Lincoln and really winning the supporters around. So, yeah, t- a tough game. Don't imagine there'll be too many goals It'll probably be one either way. Adrian, Andy Hellier asks, will Pompey's opposite form this season to last with momentum towards the end of the campaign mean a happy end to the season? Well, it could do, couldn't it? They've certainly got momentum at the moment. Flying at home, aren't they? In eight of their 13 home games, they've scored more than one. So two or more goals in eight, eight games. That's really, really impressive. I think they'll do well to, to to get number nine in this game against a Sunderland team that 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 don't concede many on the road. So so I think I, I agree. I think it'll be a low scoring game. But yeah, it's down that left hand side that that I really rate them. I think that's a that's a championship level left flank, isn't it? With Seddon and Ronan Curtis, two excellent players. And interesting that that Marquis has been pushed up. I saw him at Walsall a few weeks ago in the leasing uh, trophy, and he was in the number ten role, and he was excellent. I'd never seen him in that position in the flesh before, but he linked up play really nicely. But he is a, he is an out and out striker as well. That's that's his preferred position, and he's he's doing well. So no hard game to predict. Two excellent teams that would definitely, in my opinion, at least be in the playoffs. I think a bit draw. Yeah, Kenny Jacket a bit concerned about fatigue, pointing out his team will play at least 59 games this season, and that's without going any further in the cups or being. In the playoffs, uh, odds-wise in League One, where the leads change more regularly than my wife in a boutique pet shop looking for a new one for Brian, <laughs> who's the... That's <laughs> horrendous. <laughs> 
League One. Who's going to get promoted, according to the odds makers? According to the odds makers, it is Rotherham twelve to five at the moment, and Ipswich are four to one. I think Ipswich have regularly been the the favourites, and that's a bit of a change there. And Coventry are eleven to two. We've been speaking with uh, Michael Appleton, and so uh, if you fancied Lincoln to make their way up into the promotion, up into the championship, they are thirty three to one. So Portsmouth-Sunderland is the game that we've been focusing on. The Chaps fancy a low scorer. What, what would you give me on a draw? I would give you 9-4 to four on a draw, 5-4 to four on a Portsmouth win and 11-5 to five on a Sunderland win. Thank you, Abby. Okie dokes, that'll do for League One. On to League Two. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. In the fourth tier, the headlines. The top two both lost. Swindon going down 3-1 at Colchester, whilst Exeter lost by the same score at Port Vale. Who saw that coming? Bradford drew 1-1 with Cheltenham. And now Gary Bowyer is really under the cosh. Grimsby got their first win under Mary Poppins. I mean, Ian Holloway beating bottom club Stevenage. It's been a while, but there's been another managerial sacking. This time, Colin Calderwood has parted company with Cambridge after one win in ten. Quote of the week in League Two goes to Carlisle manager Chris Beach, who says the hygiene needs improving at the club. We have to get some hand gels, swap the towels, new detergents or something. There's far too many illnesses happening. More like Chris Bleach, says Abby, hilariously. (laughs) Uh, It worked, though. They beat Forest Green Rovers 4-1. Bradford won, Cheltenham won, meanwhile. Daniel Brewerton-Singh, who's not a Bristol Rovers striker, asks... Are Bradford City on a poor run of form due to bad luck or is something else needed? Manager changes, etc. Sam, the Owen Doyle thing hasn't really worked so far. Are they going to go a bit more extreme and, and make a change at the top? Yeah, quite possibly. It's more than not worked. He wasn't in the 18 last night, so I think there's a good chance he could be on the move. And it sounds like James Vaughan's going to be going to Tranmere as well. It sounds like he's had a, a falling out there. So to lose two of your very experienced, very talented frontmen says to me, all is not well there. Sounds like there might have been a a, a clash, a personality clash between Bowyer and, and, and Vaughan. And obviously the Doyle situation has been well documented in the last few weeks. He doesn't fit into their style. That's been abundantly clear in the last few few games. It doesn't reflect very well on Gary Bowie, and I'm just worried that there may be um, there may be a sense of Doyle being thrown under the bus a little bit in all of this. Um, I hope that's not the case. I hope that Doyle's allowed to get on with his career and and hopefully go back to Swindon. Uh, hopefully a deal can be struck there. But Bradford are, are struggling. I think they actually responded well last night to a really dismal performance at Mansfield uh, down to 10 men for a large part last night but the endeavour was very much there Donaldson getting his first goal I think since September is a is a positive and I think Bowyer will be pleased this morning that they could have capitulated last night but yeah all is not well and um, you keep hearing people talking about them as promotion contenders well yeah something needs to give Sometimes think of them, Clarkie, as like the Sunderland of League Two. You know, big ground, big fan base, lot of expectation means it is difficult for managers to manage that. Yeah, I guess so. And and it's not every player is able to handle that. It, they're League Two players, and League Two players are, are accustomed, I think, to working for smaller clubs where, where the crowd and the pressure maybe isn't as great. So you, they need to be really careful with their recruitment and and bringing the types of lads that thrive under that different spotlight. 
and maybe they've they've not done that in in recent years. Yeah, it's it's, it's a bad run, isn't it? It's hard to. It just doesn't seem a fit, does it, with with Doyle? I think he has to go. Yes, they have to they have to make that change. And look, I think Bowie is a good manager. I mean, he's proven himself in the past, but without knowing him personally, he also seems seems pretty strong and I would imagine potentially stubborn so I would imagine that if you do fall out with them that might be the end of the, the end of the road you'd take Doyle back at Swindon wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> well there's a, they've signed someone yesterday um, Leicester under 21 striker but there seems to be the suggestion that Yates and or possibly Doyle could be back before the weekend so we'll have to keep an eye on that and, and of course he, he thrived and if I think if either one comes through the door then the top three is um it's not guaranteed but great chance that they'll remain in one of those automatic positions so the person that that Swindon have signed from Leicester is called Admiral Musquag so hopefully he can steer the ship towards League One uh speaking of Swindon they lost 3-1 at Colchester Theo Robinson's late brace got the home side the win over the league leaders it puts Colchester three points off the automatic places uh, Sam, you were there and you were cold. It does mean we've got the benefit of the return of Sammy Meats. Who did you speak to this week? The producer made me speak to the Colchester manager <laughs> in the wake of that victory over my former club. <laughs> John McGreal. Uh, shall we hear it now? Go for it. Good. Here it is. 16 games unbeaten now. A couple of clean sheets before tonight. You conceded this evening. I don't know if it's because I'm still relatively young, but I remember playing against Gherkin and, and Prosser. How much of this has been built on that triangle, Prosser, uh, Eastman and obviously Gherks in goal? You do, and that's, I'd say it complements the youth as well. You need that experience. You know that, Sam. You've been through different clubs yourself and you do need that experience in the right areas. Um, even big Frank Newble coming on today as well just gives you that little bit of guile and you've got Theo Robinson... You know, you tend to say, you know, through the heart of, of the team, you try and get that experience and fill it in with the younger boys on the outside. And he's been pivotal. You know, you look at tonight's performance with Dean Gherkin, you know, he's pivotal in the game, kept, keeps us in the game. Some of them saves are championship class saves. You know, you think the boys are thinking the scoring, but, you know, Dino, he, he makes brilliant saves. So uh, it's, be, it's given us a good platform because we know we've got goals within the team. And I know we've had a couple of nil-nils prior to tonight. But uh, we, we should have been scoring. There's no question of that. We should have been scoring goals. And tonight, it just so happened that three come along. I think you're eighth now on the longest-serving managers list across the, the four leagues. Um, if you think back to what you were like when you initially got the gig, yeah. what, wow. how, how have you changed? Wow. How have you evolved? I still have the sleepless nights. There's no question of that. I, I took over the job. I thought it was 24-7, but it's not. It's 25 hours a day, eight days a week. You're dealing with from the chairman to directors, agents, players, the man management. You you take over and you're wide eyed. But now as you as you get into it, the big part of it, what I wanted was a bit of longevity in the game, and I've been able to get that uh, thanks to the, the club and the chairman for giving me the opportunity. But we feel as though we've been going in the right direction over them years as well, and you know we've been bringing like a winning mentality to it. But it's tough. It's a different challenge every day. There's no question of it. There's a different challenge every day. When I first took over, you're really enjoying, looking forward to the games and you're enjoying the prep and you're wor- not so much worried, but you, you tend to think about the opposition too much. But I've got a great... I, I speak to George Bailey quite a lot. He, he's been brilliant of late. Early part when I first took over, I was speaking to Steve Cottrell and he was brilliant as well. And now they were just saying, it's just worry about yourself. 
You can't influence what happens with the opposition at times. The main thing is, is what you do on a training pitch is then what you try and implement on, on a Saturday. And that's what the best advice that I've had really. I've tried to get away from worrying about opposition when it first took over to now concentrating on what we do as a club and what we do as, a, as an, you know, a team going out. As tonight against the top, top team in Swindon, we've just played Exeter at the weekend. We do touch on them. There's no getting away from it. You do your analysis, but more often than not, you, you, it's all about yourself. And that's what I've, I've gone from the beginning to where I am now. You spoke about going close a couple of times, eighth finishes, I think, on two occasions. Yeah. What do you need right now to make that final push to cement yourselves in the playoffs if you could bring uh, one or two in? Is that on the agenda? I wouldn't have thought so. No, I think we've got what we've got. I think we've got a healthy squad. Um, if something happens, as you know, it can happen in the last minute, but we've got a good recruitment drive behind us as well. So if something, ha- something does happen, there'll be things in place, we hope. Um, but yeah, we've got a squad that we think is right. As you've seen there, it's a healthy squad. Players coming on, chomping at the bit. We try and create that environment to keep that healthy environment in training. Um, and that's you know got us to where we are now. There's still 16 games left. There's still a third of the season left. You know We finish end of April this time as well, so it's a little bit shorter than normal. So the games are still coming thick and fast. We've got like a derby game come Saturday, Cambridge away. You know, I'm sure they'll be hurting after tonight and we know it's going to be a tough game there, but we've just got to keep looking after ourselves. It's only ourselves that will take us out of where we want to go. No one else. There's still so many games to play for and it's all about us. You know, we can't rely on opposition. We can't worry about opposition. We just have to take take care of ourselves. What's the ritual now as a winning manager? I'm sure you had your, your rituals and what yeah. you've been celebrating oh. as a player. Yeah, no, it's it's literally a bottle of beer with obviously with you know um, with the opposition staff in there trying to uh, have a good chat with Tommy and uh, Richie will pop pop in, in a minute. A day off tomorrow and then it's not a day off. That's what I keep saying to you. Tomorrow it's straight on to the to the Cambridge game. You know you, you don't there's no rest for the wicket. You get your rest when you have your break more often than not. So it's uh, on to the Cambridge game uh, when I wake up tomorrow. Spend a bit of time with the wife um, and then straight on to the analysis and back in on Thursday and go again. It's just a little bit of a conveyable at the minute. Congratulations. Enjoy your beer. Cheers, Sam. Thanks, Paul. Sam with John McGreal there. As for Swindon, the little, the little bit of the game I saw, it felt like Swindon were maybe a little bit unlucky. Would that be fair? Yeah, a little bit of complacency. Richie Welland said afterwards, you know, the flicks were coming out a bit early at 1-0. Dean Gherkin in the Colchester goal made some fantastic saves. And then John McGreal showed the squad depth that he's got this season, the power from the bench, Norris, Courtney Senior and Nuble into the fray. And it doesn't weaken them at all. If anything, it makes them them stronger. Set pieces, uh, big threat, could go direct from the back and it completely transformed the outcome of the, the game. And two former Swindon players, Norris and Theo Robinson, doing the damage, Swindon not defending their box well enough at all. You know, that first one, Adrian, when you can't allow Colchester to win that first ball, they kept everything alive and then they've got some very good goal scorers. So credit Colchester in that because 16 games unbeaten. It's no fluke. Great character again last night and they got some very talented forward boys and they got a great chance of getting themselves in those playoffs this year, which has just eluded them in the last couple of campaigns. Um, I'm sorry you were cold. Little tip. You can use this one, Clark, as well next time you're at a game. If you don't mind looking like an oddball, take a piece of cardboard with you. Put it underneath your feet. Acts as a buffer between you and the uh, the breeze block or whatever it is normally beneath. And we'll just give you that little bit of extra warmth. Yeah, good tip. <laughs> 
Uh, in terms of the weekend, Port Vale versus Salford is the game that we're going to have a look at. Vale coming into this one off the back of that big win. They've gone win, loss, win, loss, win in each of their last five. Salford wallop Cambridge 4-0. Too late for a playoff push for them, Clarkie? They've, they've bolstered their squad a little? Not too late. Uh, I th- I'm really impressed, actually, that their season is is evolving, isn't it? They, they won at Forest Green, beat Accrington, th- thumped Cambridge United. They're, they're good on the road, which, as I said earlier on in the show, I think is a, is a very good sign. Uh, only lost 5 of 15 away from Salford, which which is great. It's a settled team. Graham Alexander, Alexander is a very smart manager and he's able to adapt and change the longer the season goes on. He did it last year en route to promotion. They they they, they switched things up a little bit towards the end. At the moment, it's 4-4-2. What I think he's done in terms of recruitment is bring in players that are actually should be playing at the level above. League One players, there's a lot of them. Helps if you can pay them that kind of Yeah, yeah, of course. I don't think they've gone mad, but yeah, they've got more more money than most. Bruno Andrade and Ash Hunter out wide, proven really in in League One. Andrade was superb in League Two last year. Michael O'Connor's coming from Lincoln, Jack Baldwin from Sunderland. They've got players that shouldn't really be at that level. And and that makes sense. A few of the old guys have gone. Pierre Gianni, the centre-half that scored about 50 goals last year, he's gone. Dia Sarev, the, the striker, he's moved on. So so it's a bit of a rebrand. Rooney, alongside Brandon Thomas-Asante, looks like a partnership in the making. So no, Salford, absolutely, they've got they've got a squeak. You look at them, what is it, only eight points off, off the playoffs. I, th- I think it's achievable for them. As for Vale, Sam, uh, we mentioned their inconsistency, but that was a really impressive win against Exeter. And actually, they're not too far off a, a playoff place themselves. What, what do you like about them at the moment? Well, the first thing to say is light years away from where they were last year mm. when we spent the majority of our time talking about Port Vale, uh, focusing on their chairman and uh, the owners. Well, you know, they've really got it in a good place this year. And the, the victories, especially at home, they've only lost one at home all season against Walsall, I believe it was, and recently beating Swindon and beating Exeter. Tactically, it's Dave Cavan, if that's how you say it, his assistant manager who's getting applauded this morning because I think sometimes when you play against the team that's set up with the back three, the back five, if you can be brave and keep your wide players high and wide and not, not be too reliant on getting them back to do their defensive duties, you can cause problems. And it was Amu in particular, David Amu, who caused Exeter so many problems in the second half just by cheating a little bit, I suppose, is is what we say in the game. Game of two halves, Exeter controlled the first period and the intensity of Port Vale after the break was was breathtaking, really, even getting credit from from Matt Taylor, the, the Exeter boss. So very difficult-looking game uh, for Salford. Still scrambling around for that consistency, Port Vale, but to have some of the forward players, Richie Bennett in particular, amongst the goals, to take that burden away from Tom, Bo- Tom Pope, very encouraging before the weekend. Oddswise, League Two, who's the favourites to go up with William Hill as it stands? The favourites for promotion are still Swindon at 1-4, to four, Exeter at 2-5, Plymouth 4-7 to seven as our crew, and Colchester, as we've been speaking to John McGreal, they are the fifth favourites at 2-1. to one. And how about that Port Vale-Salford game? Are you back in the class of 92 or Askey's Asterixes? <laughs> <laughs> 
Askies Asterixes. Who's going to win out of Port Vale and Salford, according to the bookmaker William Hill? According to the bookmaker William Hill, it's going to be Port Vale at 6-5 to five with Salford 11-5 to five and the draw is 12-5. to five. Thank you, Abby. Uh, before we end, anything transfer-wise we haven't mentioned you'd like to? The window's about to be pulled <laughs> quietly to the locked position. Anybody out there who who needs something maybe they haven't got or well, any moves you've missed? The, an outgoing caught my eye, uh, Liam Boyce at Burton. Star man, really, that for, for the Brewers. Gone. Gone to hearts. Inspired a vi- victory over Rangers at the weekend, so, so well done to him, but... But that leaves a big hole uh, at the Prilly Stadium, so so we'll we'll see what what transpires there. Um, another Arsenal youngster's gone out on loan. I noticed Jack James Olyinka. Um So for Northampton fans that haven't seen him yet, he's a big, strong central midfield player, powerful, likes a shot, scored some good goals. He scored a couple, I think, in pre-season on the tour of, tour of America. One of them was a worldie, so he's got a little bit of of magic in his boots as well. So, yeah, James Olyinka, um I think I believe it's his first EFL loan. So, wish him the best of luck at Northampton. Yeah, I saw him playing against Scunthorpe on uh, Tuesday night. He did have a couple of shots from range. Actually, he took a couple of whacks as well. But he uh, looks like he's made a tough stuff. Sam, presumably between now and deadline day, you're just hitting refresh on the Swindon Twitter feed and. and <laughs> Hashtagging announced Doyle. Yeah, I haven't had time to look at transfers, Matt. The some bloke called Ivan Doyle should be coming back to Swindon <laughs> next couple of days. Done. Are you going to retract that, that 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 hissy fit from last week then? No, no, not at all. Although they've well, they lost last night, didn't they? I was going to say they they responded to my meltdown by putting three past <laughs> past Port Vale, but um, my my trip up the A12. And into various McDonald's is warranted zero point last night. <laughs> Where are you travelling this weekend to see football? If anyway? I'm travelling to the Quest Studios to uh, talk about all three divisions, hopefully. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, actually, to talk about maybe just League One and League Two. Uh, do you know who's alongside you? Uh, my brother, Dean Ashton. Oh, lovely. Uh, Clarky, you'll be on the wireless uh, on Saturday morning. Yeah, Sunday Saturday morning, morning Sunday morning. Uh, Leicester Chelsea for me um, on Saturday. So, um, yeah, should be tasty shame we can't see the Admiral but uh, it'll be worth watching anyway well that's it for today thanks as ever for your company the Totally Football League show shall return same time brackets Wednesday close brackets same place brackets your ears close brackets next week bye for now you've been listening to the Totally Football League show a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at the Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too thetotallyfootballshow.com Hello, I'm Andrew Slavin, host of the Totally Scottish Football Show and if you like football, you're gonna love Scottish football It's not all just Stevie G and Scott Brown up here No, because we talk about all of the Scottish football and geez, oh, it's great There's actually a title race this year in the Premiership. Stevie G will be hoping not to slip up again. Hearts are tearing each other a new one. Motherwell are doing, well, well, they're doing well. So if you like your football to be competitive, have a title race and a ton of drama off and on the pitch, the Totally Scottish Football Show is most definitely for you. Grab Scottish football by the boys, just like Ryan Christie did, and listen to the Totally Scottish Football Show, available everywhere, even in England. Muddy Knees Media.